This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Football Social Daily, your daily Premier League podcast. Hello and welcome to the annual Football Social Daily Awards. We're counting down the final days of 2021 with some of the best and worst moments from the last 12 months. And what a year it's been. It's been a year that has had no shortage of big stories from European Championship finals and heartache to former Manchester United heroes returning home, to Watford adding another 25 managers to their list of former bosses. There's been loads going on. We've seen great goals. We've reported on loads of big money transfers and we've heard Sweet Caroline far, far too much. But today, we're going to look at the highs and lows from the last 12 months on football. So, for today's big show, making their Premier League pitches for a variety of footballing categories, we have the Sports Social Journalist Team. We've got Noel, Niall McCorn. How are you doing, Noel? <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, Jesus. Uh, I honestly haven't heard someone call me that since primary school when it was a funny joke back then. It definitely isn't now. Okay. Hello, Jim. Well, it gets worse. Uh, Joel, like Jolly Tudor. I feel like you could have used that for my day. Well, I went for Jolly Joel. I'll Jolly Joel, that, I'll Tudor, that and uh, Mary Marley Anderson. How are you doing? <laughs> that wasn't as bad as I thought it was going to be. As soon as it started off with Niles, I was like, that is crap. What's mine going to be? <laughs> <laughs> it's nice to see you all turning up in your full tuxedos for today's awards ceremony. Apart from you, Joel, who's decided to wear a ball gown, which is just weird, <laughs> I'll be honest with you. But each to his own. Jim White. By six o'clock. And Jim's mankini. Warm in here. Right, let's get on with today's show. So on this podcast, we're going to be going through different aspects from the last 12 months. We're going to be pitching as to who we think should win each category. I'm going to be judge and jury, but you can't please everyone. So if you disagree with any of the choices made on today's podcast for our annual wrap-up, you can get us on the social media channels on Twitter at the Sports Social, search Sports Social on Facebook, and you can find us Sports Social Official on Instagram. Get your full Jurgen Klopp on and have a bit of a moan about what we decide. But let's start off with the first category. So first off, we're going to be talking who had the gift of the gab in 2021. It's quote of the year, sponsored by TV Rent-A-Gob and Angry Wasp in human form, Roy Keane. He's the official sponsor of this category. Who's going to go first with their nomination? I think it's going to be Marley Anderson. 
Good. Because I will <laughs> kick it off and I'll just end it right now. Uh, there is no there's no better quote, rent a quote, whatever you want to call it, than than the old man, my old friend, Steve Bruce. Of course it was going to be <laughs> Steve Bruce. Are there any categories that you've not nominated Steve Bruce for in uh, this podcast? Well, I don't want to ruin Manager what, else, of the what else is. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to ruin what else is coming up in the podcast, but no. <laughs> okay. uh, and obviously the, the quote that is now synonymous and can only be thought of at the same time as anybody ever mentions Steve Bruce is when he was asked... How's the break been? <laughs> and he went, How's the breaking, did you say? And I was like, Oh, Jesus Christ, Steve. Like, I know Zoom uh, interviews and press conferences aren't the easiest, but how, why would anyone ask you, How's the breaking? <laughs> in a room full of journalists on the eve of a Premier League game. So, yeah, that is, that, that's the only one that's even in the, in the mix for me. So. How's the bacon, did you say? I've got to say that has got to be one of not only the best quotes of the last 12 months, but probably one of the best moments of the last 12 months. But doesn't it make you just feel... A little, it makes me feel sad that Steve Bruce got sacked by Newcastle United because he just seems like a lovely bloke who thinks that someone would ask him, out of courtesy, how his bacon was this morning. <laughs> well, the, well, yeah, the funny thing is he definitely had bacon for his breakfast. He's Steve Bruce, why wouldn't you? He'd been to Greg's... He'd be got a sausage roll and a uh, sausage bean and cheese chaser, um, <laughs> and then a bacon roll for afters, and, and it was only after when they did the puck at the uh, the press conference. Right. Well, so yeah, we've started strong. Niall, what have you got to compete with that? Well, you teed this segment up by suggesting a name who is often thought of for his explosive outbursts on TV, and many a quote mm. has arisen from that, and that is one Roy Keane and. In the autumn of 2021, Manchester United weren't doing very well in the Premier League. They ended up sacking Ole Gunnar Solskjaer after they lost 4-1 to Watford. But before that, they had lost 5-0 to Liverpool. But the straw that really broke the camel's back for Roy Keane was the Manchester derby at Old Trafford, where Man City rocked up to the Theatre of Dreams and won 2-0. And after the game, Roy Keane was in as good a mood as you would expect, which was not very good. And <laughs> when talking about his style of play and how he would have gone about the game. He just basically said, I might smash into somebody. <laughs> like this classic Roy Keane just talking about Probably going the around. least, the least battering sort of people. surprising quote ever that Roy Keane admits that he would have just smacked someone to make himself feel better. <laughs> yeah, it was just one of those where um, it, it was an enjoyable watch. And then I think there was a week later on where him and Carragher had a bit of to and fro and there was a bit of an argument going on in the Sky Studios. Always good entertainment when Roy Keane's on the telly. And um, I don't think in terms of a one-off quote, it eclipses, how's the bacon, did you say? But I think in terms of what you see on social media now with people quote-tweeting it, um, mm. for instance, a good friend of the podcast, Adam Brown, made me laugh the other day by quote-tweeting it, saying, when I'm doing my Christmas tr- shopping at the Trafford Centre, <laughs> and it was, I might just smash into somebody. Uh, so, yeah, that would be it for me. Good old Roy, always providing good value on the TV. But I just don't have that desire and fight to stay in the fight. Just, you've got to stay in there. But it's what happens when the referee blows the whistle. And uh, There's one yellow card for Man United today. I think it was for Ronaldo. Now, I'm not saying go out and get seven, eight yellow cards. That, you know, that doesn't win your football matches. But it is a derby game. You have to show your quality, but you have to, you do have to show some sort of emotion in the game. Go and close somebody down. I've often had it where I've not been at the races in the game, but I go, do you know what? What I might do is I might, I might smash into somebody just to make me feel better. 
I do like Roy Keane. I do wonder what the world would be like if he played football nowadays because I think back to 90s football. For me, 90s football was like the pinnacle of football. It was the, my favourite decade and people just played football in a completely different style. You'd have like Vinnie Jones and Roy Keane roaming around the pitch doing knee-high tackles on people, but the people they tackled just got up and got on with it. I remember scared to stay down. <laughs> I remember a tackle between a game between I think it must have been Wimbledon, Wimbledon and Manchester United. I forget what the context was. I think it might have even been an FA Cup final. And I remember a tackle that Vinnie Jones did on Eric Cantona and he just went in above his knee, completely wiped him out. And Eric Cantona didn't get up, didn't roll around, just got up, puffed his shirt up, put his collar up and got on with it. And you just can't imagine that happening nowadays. Completely different world of football. Right, Roy Keane is on the list. Joel, wrap it up. Yeah, mine's um, talking of conning refs. The total opposite happened. It was back in April 2021 when United beat Spurs 3-1. Mourinho was under massive pressure this game. Um, I think Spurs were something like seventh in the league. Uh, And I think during the game, Son went down super easily, uh, tried to con the ref in the words of Solskjaer. And Solskjaer said that, if my son stays down like this for three minutes and he needs to get 10 of his mates to help him up, then he won't get any food. <laughs> and Mourinho replied with, I just want to say, Sonny is a very, very lucky person that his father is a better person than Ollie. I am a father, I am a father and you always have to feed your kids. Um, and, you know, when I, when I looked at that, it just made me die because I was thinking, right, this is typical Mourinho deflecting one of his worst defeats and performances of, t- of his side, taking the moral high ground to make out like Ole Gunnar Solskjaer traps his son under his staircase like Harry Potter style. <laughs> it was just it was just ridiculous. And then let me, and obviously seven days after that, he was sacked. I have to say, if my son stays down like this for three minutes and he gets 10 of his mates around him, to uh, if if he gets that in the face from his one of his other mates and he get, needs ten mates to uh, to help him up, yeah, he won't won't get any food. In relation to that, I just want to say, Sonny is very lucky that his father is a better person than Ollie, because I think a father, I am a father. I think a father, you have always to feed your kids. Doesn't matter what they do. If you have to steal to feed your kids, you steal. I'm very, very disappointed. It was just it's just hilarious how he really took it to heart so much. I, I don't feel as though he really took it to heart in the way that everyone seemed because he was so under pressure that day. Mm. And I think he hated getting beat by United and by Ollie especially. That he needed that something to pick at and that was the comment, the food comment. Uh, do you know what? I know this isn't a quote, but Mourinho we always say that he's quite miserable and moany when he's in the Premier League but when he's gone you do miss him do you remember I think it was earlier this year for Spurs when he's having a sip out of his water bottle and then something happens oh, with the referee yeah. and the assistant turns to him as if to say you need to get up and make a, make a meal of that and he does he slams his water <laughs> yeah, bottle yeah. down and he's up and he's sprinting to the fourth official at the speed of light he's always up to something Mourinho isn't he I think he gets his reputation of being a bit of a miserable bloke as you say I think he'd be a really good bloke to go for a pint with I just he's, I think no, he's, he's, he's an interesting he looks he's an funny. interesting he's funny a glass of Rioja a glass of Rioja yeah. Yeah. <laughs> he's dead quick as well he's got a super fast he's a rate. I mean he's a terrible football manager yeah, he's, got, he's got a silver tongue though like in terms of his but this comment was just something that was 
ridiculous. Yeah, it's a good quote, Joel. But I think there's only one winner from this category, and I think it's got to be Steve Bruce. How's the bacon? <laughs> Purely for the, it's meme. the only thing Steve Bruce has won for yeah. a while. Exactly. Newcastle <laughs> needs some joy this season. Purely for the meme quality, Steve Bruce is our first official award winner. Do you know what? I don't even know if you can give it him because I'm not even sure it's 2021. <laughs> oh. oh, it's been di- wow, surely not a disqualification. I can't remember. I can't remember, but we're having it anyway. All Let's right, have it Stewards anyway. inquiry on that. We'll get VAR to look at that and we'll move on to our next it. category, which is moment of the year, which is probably one of the few serious categories in today's awards because the Premier League always has the ability to amaze and surprise. So what have we been served up that has taken your breath away from 2021? Let's mix the order up, and Niall, you can go first on this one. I'm not sure about taking my breath away, because that would be a rather inappropriate uh, term to use when describing what the country's been through, and indeed the world (laughs) has been through in the last year or so. Um, You know, you mentioned at the start of the show how it's it's been a great year in some respects. It's also been a terrible year in other respects, and last season was difficult and obviously we're talking about 2021 as a whole here so the 20 slash 21 season which spilled over from january to may was tough without any supporters in Mm. the grounds and we've spoken on this podcast before about how football wasn't the same it felt very sanitized and and it didn't feel right without fans and so for the fans to be back those first few games fans back in the stadiums particularly during the euros in which england went on a great run aside from the fan disorder that we saw at the end at wembley which um obviously we should condemn i think that was a really nice moment mm. just to see supporters back in the grounds i was i was quite lucky to to be in some of the games where fans were back and i remember one game at old trafford towards the end of the season where fulham were the visitors and edinson cavani scored a a lob over the goalkeeper from about 35 yards and there was only 10,000 people inside Old Trafford but it had been the whole season where there was just echoes you could hear every pass you could hear every shout every piece of communication and for there to only be 10,000 people in there it felt like 100,000 not because the fans were amazing but just because it was so obvious that we'd missed them and they'd been away for so long so so fans returning was a was a huge moment for me I think it was a significant moment and I think it's um, it's something that's made football uh, for the better in in the last particularly six months since supporters were allowed back into the stadium. So it's a bit of a, a cop out, I suppose you could say, in terms of a choice. But I think it's it, it was such a significant moment to see supporters back in the stadiums and to be able to go on away games again and, and, and with your mates and what football means to a lot of people in terms of the community mm. and the sense of community uh, for a lot of for a lot of people. Their Monday to Friday is mundane and football is their only escape at the weekend, whether that's win, lose or draw. So for people to get that back, to have that element of their lives back was amazing. So that would be for me the the moment of the year. Um, it's nothing really on the field related. It, it's very much to do with what we've gone through off the pitch and to see fans back was brilliant. I don't think I really appreciated how much I missed fans in stadiums until they got back in because I'm not a match going fan. I go mm. as much as I can when I can and it's not very often, but... Even just watching on TV, and they did a great job with the soundscapes and stuff that they put on I to kind of try. And, but it was from a from an audiophile point of view. Sure, they did a good job. It was amazing how reactive that audio could be, certainly from some of the broadcasters. But it was nothing compared to yeah. the range of emotions you get from a real crowd. And you know what it is, Jim? As well, I was quite lucky that I got to go to a few of the games behind closed doors, working mm-hmm. as as a journalist or whatever. And the amount of people that would say to me, "Oh, you're so lucky. You get to go to the games." None of us are allowed and you're so lucky you get to watch the football. 
yeah, I understand that to an extent, but it's not the same game. It wasn't the same game without the fans. It, it, it's the whole point you go to football is you soak up the atmosphere, you enjoy the occasion, the emotion, the drama. That's mm. why we love the game. And 95% of that is emanated through the supporters. And it doesn't matter how many worldy goals you score. I mean, think think about Liverpool who had to lift a trophy in front of an empty stadium. <laughs> you know, <laughs> that, was, that was funny. I mean, 30 years, you wait, for, 30 is, years you wait for a title and you can't even lift it in front of your own supporters. So, you know, as, as much as that doesn't denigrate Liverpool's achievement by any stretch of the imagination, and I know it was last season or two seasons ago now, it, it shouldn't be underestimated how difficult that must have been yeah. to be able to win the league but not have to celebrate with the supporters. So when people said to me, oh, you're lucky to be in the ground. Yeah, I was. But at the same time, it, it's not what you think it is. It just isn't the same without support. And, and now the supporters are back. It, it's a much better game to watch again. Lift the mood for us, Joe. I will. Don't worry, guys. I've got <laughs> you all. So take your minds back to the summer of this year. The Euros was on. And it was the round of 16, England <laughs> against Germany. Oh, yes. yes. And we were 1-0 up. I think Raheem Sterling had just scored. Can I just say, can I interrupt you here? Because I went to the pub to watch this game and I got pelters off my mates because I decided to wear Adidas trainers. And because I was wearing Adidas trainers, a oh, German, German item, <laughs> that was that was deemed that's, that's a bit picky. Oh, that. so so they all pull out their Umbro trainers? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Even though some England players yeah. are wearing Adidas. Who's the real winner here? Yeah. Sorry, go on, carry yeah, on. So, um, yeah, England were 1-0 up after Sterling scored, I think after around the 75th minute. And there was a heart-in-mouth moment when Thomas Muller oh, was yeah. through on goal. <laughs> and in that moment, I think every England fan's life just flashed before their eyes because they were thinking... Thomas Muller scores these in his sleep while he's eating his currywurst in Germany. <laughs> Easy. He get, he gets currywurst these. in his sleep is interesting. Just let me go with it. Um, <laughs> no, you can have it. And he was through on goal. And any any day of the week, he puts that past any keeper in the world. He's clinical as hell. And he missed by a pretty bad margin. Mm. And I think in that moment, every single fan in the country realised like the dynamic had shifted. Just because in the past, I know England have got a really bad record, obviously, apart from like 66. They got beaten like the 90s World Cup and the 96 Euros. And they got killed in the 2010 World Cup in South Africa. It was like all of these moments just built up to this stage at Wembley in England in the last minutes. And if Thomas Muller did that same run against any other side, he would score 99 times out of 100 every single day. It was just in that moment, it just seemed like the whole fortune had shifted. Obviously, we now the tournament ended up going and we lost pretty devastatingly. Mm. Um, but that just set the tone for me. That was the real shift in that tournament. It wasn't even the Denmark semi-final. It wasn't scoring early against Italy. That was the pivotal moment. I think the players started to believe a hell of a lot more because when you go back to the last World Cup, the 2018 one, the England side didn't beat any team of significance they got beat by every team of significance. Like They got beat by a better Croatia side, got beat by Belgium in the group stages. Every other team was pretty, you know, bog standard, let's say. Obviously, not winning a game in the World Cup is not easy, but that was the one game where Germany was still a pretty quality side and judging from the history as well, I think that was the best moment just in terms of how bad the year had been mm. on like a life basis and a football basis. It kind of lifted everything for me. It was the highlight, I think, that game from the Euros campaign for England. That, was, that was the, the pinnacle of that competition. Marley, what have you got to wrap it up? I've got to wrap it up. Um, 
a very very specific moment because it only lasted like not not that long um but it was it was uh, a couple of months ago when when we had the takeover and it was the first home game after after the takeover at Newcastle um and I was up in Newcastle in the strawberry watching the game against Tottenham um and about I think it was 90 seconds in Callum Wilson stoops and scores a header to put us one nil up and I'm in the strawberry outside the ground it's absolutely packed you can hear you can hear the ground like erupts from from outside it we're watching it on a screen I'm about five pints deep so I'm like starting to need food and a kebab and how's the bacon to get just to get me through the rest of the day um and I've got a night out to come on top of it because it was my stag do so uh there you go Joel there's another <laughs> another little mention of one for you um and yeah it was just it was the like euphoria of like everybody starting to believe again and starting to get their love for the for Newcastle back because you know 14 years of ah well we'll we'll balls it up at, at some point um was was sort of over and everyone had sort of renewed optimism and stuff um and for that to be capped by uh, Wilson's goal was was huge because it was like oh my god like what if we actually start trying now um <laughs> And it was just a, a a massive moment because you um you know jumping all over random people like especially after COVID and stuff so, and stuff as well. I've never watched a game with more than three people in my house before, so it was like nice to have that atmosphere and stuff. Um, random people jumping over each other, um, and just that euphoria of that moment was amazing. Um, then I got in trouble with my girlfriend at the time, uh, now wife when she was I said like it was one of the best moments in my life and she was like what like just I don't get it like, what do you mean I was like yeah you don't get it it's fine. did you say that before or after that the was wedding be- that was before the <laughs> wedding yeah so I was like obviously until we get married and then she was like I still don't get it and I was like how about now oh, it's still better <laughs> still better than the wedding day <laughs> um but then but then the the even funniest part was me realizing that there was still 87 minutes for us to hang on to that lead and what happened in the game we got beat 3-2 okay Right, there's plenty more moments to come well, for Newcastle. We were 3-1 down at half-time. <laughs> That's like a dagger to the heart. There's, there are plenty more moments to come, I think, in Newcastle's future rather than their history. So I'm not going to give it to you. I'm not going to give it to you, Joel, because I think despite the fact it was England's best moment in the Euros and the Euros was maybe the best moment of the year, picking the fact that Thomas Muller missed as the moment to focus on is not the correct That's answer. That's part of the moment. So you're not getting it. Uh, it's going to go to... Niall, because I think fans being back in the stadium after the year we had running up to that was pivotal and significant and amazing. So Niall wins that one. Oh, hey. We're going to take a little break now. We're going to come back with more categories in our review of 2021 next on Football Social Daily. Football Social Daily. Subscribe to the podcast now so you never miss an episode. Football's Social Daily. Find more great sport at sport-social.co.uk. Welcome back to Football Social Daily. We're doing our review of the year in awards ceremony fashion. So we've picked a load of categories. Joel, Niall and Marley are suggesting who they think she would win and I'm being judge and jury. But if you disagree with my opinion, get in touch on Twitter at The Sports Social. You can find us there and chip in with your views. Plus, don't forget, if you've listened to 
Football Social Daily throughout 2021, but you've never left us a review of any kind, make it your Christmas gift to us. Get on Apple Podcasts, get on Spotify, let us know what you think of the show and give us a five stars, a festive treat. But let's crack on with the awards ceremony. Next, we're going to go for the David Gold Award for Foot in Mouth, who has dropped a clanger this year, (laughs) be it on social media or be it elsewhere. Joel, you've not started yet, so you can go first for this one. With pleasure. Um, this one is one of the worst opinions I think I've ever heard in my entire life. And I stand by it to this day. And it was when um, I think Arsenal beat us at the start of this year. and Us being Manchester United, yeah, Manchester as far United. as you're concerned. Um, and Ian Wright said after the game that if, if Mikel Arteta was managing Manchester United, he would make us challenge for the league. And I'm sorry, but I don't care what angle you look at it as. That guy could not make... Is this your... Hang on, sorry. Is this your worst take of the year? Oh, absolutely. Or is, this, or is this your clanger? Both. Okay. Both combined to one. It's a clanger <laughs> and a worst take. Like, that guy That's could... messing not, it up a little bit, but okay. That guy, that guy, <laughs> you do you. Have, he, he could have the prime Barcelona team and he's not challenging for anything. Like, Pe- Mikel Arteta is Pep Guardiola's cone man. <laughs> Straight <laughs> up. I don't oh care God. what way he is. I don't care which way you see it. I don't understand the euphoria around him. He beats the pretty weak teams, and when it comes to the big boys, he gets undone every single time. And I don't care what budget he has, what kind of players he has, I don't believe he's a good manager at all. And Ian Wright is saying that he could challenge, make a challenge for the league. Well, it's typical Arsenal fans, isn't it? When they get an inch, they take a mile. And in that case, he took more than a mile. He took the whole damn Emirates Stadium to try and say that. So for me, clangor of the year... <laughs> stupidness of the year worst take of the year to be fair is there a single manager in the world that would be able to make Manchester United challenge for the league in their current form yes Mikel Arteta would be the bottom one that you said yes yeah. oh, 100% Pep if we had Guardiola or Klopp we would Klopp. within like a season yeah Reckon? Yeah, I think, yeah, I think so. I think they've got and, the squad to do it. Yeah, they just yeah. haven't got the manager. And, and listen, you know, Rangnick's just gone in, so you don't know what might happen next. You know, made a reason. Are you saying we're going to challenge for the league? <laughs> no. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> right, Niall, who have you got for your clanger of the year? Okay, well, this is definitely a clanger. Can you just remind me the name of this award again, Jim? Uh, the David Gold Award for Foot in Mouth. Well, I think we should change that to the Paul Scholes Award for Foot in Mouth because uh, that's who I'm going to go for. Uh, Paul Scholes, a couple of months ago, deciding to have oh, a punch on his God. daughter's toes. <laughs> that is the clangor, the social media uh, mishap of the year for 2021 for me. Paul Scholes, a legend of the Premier League, a legend of Manchester United, a midfielder who has been revered and talked up by so many peers and so many great players in the football world. Some players, like Thierry Henry, one of the best to ever do it in the top flight in this country, said that Paul Scholes was the best player he ever saw playing in the Premier League during his time there. All of those great accolades, all of those trophies, those Champions Leagues, those Premier League titles, and yet Paul Scholes will be remembered in 2021 for gnawing on his daughter's toenails. So unfortunately for those of of Manchester United persuasion, um, hopefully that Paul Scholes' legacy isn't tarnished um, too much. But yeah, for me, it has to be that. It has to be that. Classic moment of thinking before you post something on social media. It's like, why am I posting a picture of my dad cutting my nails with his teeth? Yes, yes, yes. Why did that not... And actually, I feel sorry for Paul Scholes because his daughter has thrown him under the bus. He should have done it in the first place, should (laughs) he? 
<laughs> I mean, it's just weird in the first place. What I did like about that moment was the... You liked something about that I moment. I liked the football celebrations <laughs> it sparked. I remember Chesterfield, I think it was, doing a celebration <laughs> so, when they yeah, scored, yeah, where they mocked it and they had what, the, the player that had scored having his toenails clipped by one of the other players pretending to bite his nails. I did enjoy that moment, but the video was gut-churningly horrific. Marley, make us think of something else, please. I'll happily, because that is uh, right, it's sort of ingrained in my my memory, <laughs> and it well, it wasn't until then we. I, I thought we'll, as soon as it's in this that subject, I thought that's going to come up again. Um, so thanks for wait, that, Niall. I was waiting for the penny to drop when I said to Jim, "What's the name of the I'm award again?" I ten seconds, and then your face just turned. Completely. I thought you were going to feature David Gold, who has continued his <laughs> habit this year of posting pictures of the wrong players when he's announced either their departure or their signing or their birthdays. It's just he posts someone who has the same colour skin. That seems to be his criteria. <laughs> it's weird. I don't know why he keeps on doing it. But anyway, Marley. Well, speaking of colours, um, mine was my, my sort of big balls up of the year uh, was when Spurs um, <laughs> announced that they are have having what every club needs, an official paint partner, um, and then announced Dulux as their official paint partner. So nothing wrong with that at all. Like, you know, these things happen, these commercial deals, and we're all getting used to it. However, Dulux had left their um, Twitter account logged in with obviously some bloke called Barry, who is clearly an Arsenal fan, <laughs> um, who then proceeded to take the piss out of them for a good hour, um, replying to every funny tweet about that with just bantering Spurs, basically. Um <laughs> So, like, there was one that says, like, the, the article said, like, Dulux becomes official paint supplier, and somebody had put, like, oh, paint the dusty trophy cabinet, and then Dulux had responded, uh, don't be silly, surfaces should be dust-free before painting. <laughs> <laughs> and there was there was loads, there was honestly about five or six, <laughs> um, and it just went on, on and on and on, and then you were just thinking, like, me as a social media manager, that is my worst, like, nightmare thinking. You know, because you're waiting for them to realise that it's that somebody's balls up here. Um, Barry and, from Dulux was not having a good day. <laughs> oh no, Barry's laughing his head off, thinking I'm <laughs> I'm just going to ride this out for a, I'll get an hour out of this, and then sure enough, it, it you know it all it all fell fell through, um, and everything got deleted, and then Spurs had to put out something like uh, we'll gloss over that mistake this time or some oh. sort of crap pun, um, but. It's just typical Spurs. Like everyone likes to sort of mock Spurs a bit, and then they even messed it up a few months later when they uh, announced <laughs> Antonio Conte. Um, but instead of saying one uh, Buenvenuto, uh, no, they said Buenvenuto instead of like Bongiorno or something. So they did it in Spanish instead of Italian, and that was actually from Spurs. So they had no one to blame on that occasion. <laughs> um, so yeah, it's it's the it's the paint tweet for me, um, which is which has got my my nomination. I do like all of those nominations. Arteta saying that, sorry, some, who was it that said? Uh, Ian Wright saying that Arteta could win the league with United. Paul Scholes chewing his daughter's feet and Spurs being Spursy <laughs> on Twitter. I think it's going to have to go to Spurs. Yeah. I think they've got to be the winner there just because they continue their form of being Spursy even when doing social media and branding campaigns. So they win that award. It's ingrained. We move on to the next, which is quite connected. It's the Worst Take of the Year Award presented by Garth Brooks. 
Now, this can be from within the Football Social Daily team or outside the Football Social Daily team. It's your choice. But if anyone nominates me, they're clearly not going to win. So who are you going to go with, Niall? I'm going to nominate Jim because (laughs) Jim has this thing where he doesn't sometimes appreciate sporting achievements and me and marley always laugh about this oh not the darts thing is it (laughs) it's the darts thing (laughs) jim thinks that every darts player should always get 180 (laughs) every time they throw three darts not taking darts finish every game (laughs) not taking into account maybe the small discrepancies between wind resistance and aerodynamics and all of those sorts of things um so that's that's jim's Terrible take of the year. 100% stand by that. There's um, no wind resistance inside. You're doing the same thing again and again and again. There are no variables. If you're that good, you should do it every time. What if you don't need treble 20? That's a good point. <laughs> <laughs> there are 60 targets on a, on a, a, but, on a dartboard. But wouldn't you, wouldn't you only need... Sorry, to, no, it, there's 62. But if you, could a, hit, if you could hit treble 20 every time, that's yeah. all you ever need. Why? Because isn't... Every, well, how do you win a leg? On a, on a double case of one, haven't you? <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's a good point. No, right. <laughs> you just might have just blown my argument out of the water. <laughs> yeah, Jim, you've been you've been destroyed, and that proves your terrible take. Um, right. But well, obviously, well, that's in that case, that's, bowl, that's, if you're if you're bowling, you should get a strike every time. <laughs> there you go. You should perfect game every time. Well, that's they, not they, they almost do them, don't they? Have you ever seen professional bowling? It's yeah, it's mad. Crazy. It's mad. That's not football related though. So we'll let you off the hook okay. for this one, Jim. And um, my terrible take of the year was the European Super League. Who oh. thought that would be a good idea? Six clubs, obviously, in the Premier League, mm. of which all of them ran scared, and that was a castle that was built on foundations of sand. And as soon as one of them pulled the plug, the whole thing crumbled, and it was an absolute disaster. It was a mess. It brought English football into disrepute. It brought the Premier League into disrepute. It made fans seething with their own clubs to the point where some of them were prepared to disown the teams that they had supported their whole lives because of this and it was a power grab it was a power grab they tried to ring fence the cash and have this quite american and that's no disrespect to american sports but it's quite an american model of no promotion and no relegation Um, in american sports there is no demotion It, it doesn't exist but having relegation in our game is what makes it exciting there's the sense of jeopardy you know, Marley will tell you now, being a Newcastle fan, that you know, if he knew that they weren't going to go down, it wouldn't be half as depressing as it is at the moment. Mm. So it's one of those things where I can't believe that it happened, even still to this day, four or five months on, or, or however long ago it was. So you know, it's not a take from one specific person, but more an entity, a group, um, a combination of people and organisations, and that's what I'm going to call them because they weren't clubs at that point in time. They were organisations, quite clearly businesses, and uh, it was a terrible decision, and I'm so glad it was overthrown. Um, I don't think we've seen the end of it, though. I think we'll probably see something similar coming back soon. But worst take of the year, apart from you saying about darts players should score 180 every time, it has to be those who came up with the European Super League and thought it was a good idea. Hard to disagree with that. I don't think we have seen the end of it either. I think you're right, and the worst part of that for me or one of the parts that made it so bad was the way it was communicated to fans even to the descriptions of fans as legacy fans and future fans or whatever it was yeah. and the way 
it just made people feel like a commodity suddenly. And we all know that supporters are commodities in football, but you don't need to put it on black and white and release it as a press release. A ridiculous idea, badly handled. Joel, what have you got for this? Um, I was thinking too passionately about the Ian Wright one to properly think about this. Um, <laughs> I mean, you should have saved the Ian Wright one for this, really. <laughs> I, know, I was just you. thinking, then I've kind of gone a bit backwards. <laughs> I mean, we did try and warn you. <laughs> no, but you I, just, I just wanted to go in. I heard one word and I had to go straight for it. But <laughs> What have you got for this one, Marley? Um, mine isn't from one specific person because so many people made this this bad take. And it goes back to the Euros, where everybody was saying, um, you, you, have that, you have that discussion every two years when, when there's a Euros or a World Cup, who are your dark horses? Who are your dark horses? <laughs> and for some reason, every everyone this year seemed to plump for Turkey. <laughs> and I was like, I don't really buy into this Turkey thing. I don't, like, you know, everyone's like, oh, Burak Yilmaz has smacked loads of goals in in qualifying, like, he's 35, he can't run. And he scored against Azerbaijan, like, eight times in two games. Like it's it the whole thing didn't make sense to me, so I was like, I hope that it's I hope we get battered in every game because I just want everyone. Rio Ferdinand was the biggest one for me because mm. he, he he said it with such such chest and such confidence. <laughs> he was like, yeah, yeah, Turkey, yeah, really good, mate, yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, <laughs> he's, they've got the striker who's banging in all the goals in the French league. They've got Soyuncu, they've got uh, Ozan Kabak, all these players that we used to, and they stunk the place out for three games. Like they got beat in every game. Um, useless, barely scored a goal, and uh, were just generally rubbish. Um, and I picked Denmark, and they went quite far. So <laughs> happy days. Was that? Is it a better or worse call selecting Turkey as your dark horses rather than a lot of people who selected Italy as a dark horse who went into the Euros something like thirty-five games oh. unbeaten? <laughs> but, oh yeah, they're, they're a real dark horse. Yeah, four-time four-time World Cup winners, dark horse because they've never won this specific tournament. Yeah, yeah, that was uh, baffling as well. But yeah, Turkey for me. All right, that's your dark horse. Uh, so your dark horse, what am I talking about? <laughs> that is your bad take of 2021. Joel, what have you got? So just going off the Ballon d'Or voting system and how backwards it is, my bad take is from a Brazilian journalist, and he's probably not the only one, so I don't want to like single him out because I know there's quite a few. But Kleber Machado, you need to hang your head in shame. Who? Because should I know who that is? He's from T. No, no. Okay, he's from TV Globo. You will after his votes, All right? Because he had Kevin De Bruyne first, Jorginho second, Mbappe third, Lukaku fourth, Neymar fifth in the voting system for the Ballon d'Or, and everyone wonders why the hell Lewandowski never won it. I mean, there's your answer. You've got journalists like this who clearly don't even watch <laughs> European football. They just watch the Brazilian league and think, oh, crap, it's my turn to go and vote for the um, European Ridiculous list. There was no Thomas Suchek. There was no Vladimir Sufal. Anyway, I mean, yeah, really? I'm moving on. <laughs> but no, it's just it's a, it's a shambles, the voting system in that competition, just because I don't even, I'm not convinced half of these journalists, especially the ones who are not based in Europe, are completely keeping an eye on the actual European game. Mm. Um, and when you put in Kevin De Bruyne first over... He's not even got. He's not even got the first. He's only got Jorginho out of the three who actually came in the top three, so it kind of ruins the credibility of the actual trophy for me when you kind of see what the voting system's like. And 
Um, if I, if I'm honest, I don't feel I, what I feel most for is the fact that they brought this new striker of the year trophy for Lewandowski just to make him not feel as bad so Messi could have it right next to him. Like I think that you, was awful. It's like a kid's school sports, school sports you tried. day, isn't it? You didn't win the award, but you put a lot of effort in. He just, gave, yeah, he just gave him a little star saying, you tried yeah. for the first year ever having a striker of the year. I mean, if that wasn't planned, I don't know what was. It's a good shout, Joel, but I think it's difficult to look past the European Super League as the worst take of the year. I mean, in a year that has been <laughs> seen as locked in our houses with COVID, for that to be the worst thing to happen this year, which I think it is in contentions for, certainly makes it the worst take of the year. So that wins that award. Two more to go. We've got the award for the best slash worst fashion of the year in football, and we've got the VAR award as well. One thing that you would like disallowed from the last 12 months, which we might see, the European Super League rearing its head again there. We'll do it next on Football Social Daily. Football Social Daily. Subscribe to the podcast now so you never miss an episode. Football Social Daily. Find more great sport at sport-social.co.uk. Welcome back to the Football Social Daily 2021 Awards awarding the best and the worst from the last 12 months of football and wrapping up the year as well. Two more categories to go. And next, it's the award for best slash worst fashion mistake. Joel. Uh, for the worst and by far the absolute worst, I don't know if you've seen it, it was the, the Manchester City blazer that had a huge black Man City <laughs> emblem on the back. And I swear to God, when I saw that, I nearly shed a tear. Guardiola was representing that like it was the next fashion item i think it was in the champ i think it's like their champions league kind of style sponsorship they probably have and it was an absolute monstrosity when i saw it if you've not seen it just google worst fashion sense city and you'll see a whole <laughs> bunch of images come up about it it, it, it looked un- unbelievably bad um it's hard to describe but you just need to see it to believe me it was awful and guardiola is usually quite sleek ish for his, his fashion sense, and he just looked like he'd been paid to wear that, to be honest, and he didn't look happy at all. What do we think about Manchester City's forays into fashion in general, or football's forays into fashion? Because Manchester City do this. They try and team up with fashion houses and create yeah. pieces, and they had the blazer, mm. and they had Pep Guardiola constantly looks like a 14-year-old skateboarder. With his, with his Stone he, Island on. And he's sponsored in some way by these fashion brands. You have the... The Madchester kit they released this year, which was supposed to tap into the city's musical past with kind of a... It looked like a mosaic, weird, yeah, broken glass, they, whatever. They do yeah. things differently. So they're trying different things, Man City, but other clubs do this as well. Should it be that if you're a football club, you do sportswear? If you're a fashion house, you do fashion wear? If you're uh, an Italian club, yes. Okay, so Italian clubs can do If you're anyone wear. else, just wear well, your suit and tie. <laughs> I, don't, I don't mind clubs and fashion having a, a bit of crossover, but Joel's right. Some of the clobber that Manchester City have come out with. It is poor. There was a Champions League game before Christmas um, at RB Leipzig that Manchester City had, and some of the jeans that Grealish and Phil oh, Foden were yeah, wearing. rolled up yeah. kind oh, of colours at the Did Zidane wear something like that a couple of years ago? When he was announced as Madrid manager, I think oh, he, had, he had jeans very similar on. Probably. And everyone ripped him for them and then City brought out something very well, similar. Was, they did that partnership deal last year with D Squared, who were like a really expensive and they're, jeans they're, they're brand. Not, they don't bring out bad stuff, but on this occasion, I don't know, they must have put the intern on the design stuff because <laughs> it was awful. Just City logo on the back. No, it's like, it's like so by the way, you got this City assignment, just stick whatever yeah. you want on there. I don't think it's about brands, I just think it's about how it looks. And in general... 
didn't look that great for City, did it, to be he honest? He was poor. He was poor. Okay, so that's Joel's nomination. Manchester City's City logo suit. What are you going for, Niall? This is a bit harsh because I like him and I think he's um, doing really good stuff in the Championship with Bournemouth as their manager, but it has to be, at the time, Fulham boss, Scott Parker, who <laughs> was say. deflecting the attention from his side's struggles at the bottom of the Premier League by wearing a padded suit jacket on the touchline, oh, <laughs> which yeah, was, was a, that was a strange which thing. was questionable at the, the at the very best. Um, I've never seen anyone it. wearing one of those before or since. No, indeed, and uh, he was brave with it because um, he wore it again the next week. Even after they, I think, have been beaten by by Liverpool, they ended up wearing it again. He ended up wearing it again the next week, and a few cardigans as well. He loved a little uh, a little cardigan, but yeah, the padded suit jacket. Raised a few eyebrows, and um, it's as soon as I saw this category come through when we were preparing for the podcast about fashion, it was the only thing I could think of for Scott Parker and his padded suit jacket. So that'll be my choice. It was an interesting fashion choice. I actually, I don't, I can't quite decide whether I liked it or not, but I'll leave it on the list for now. Marley, what are you going for? Well, I was gonna go for Man City's horrendous clubber, um, but something which as as uh, popped in my head off the back of that almost uh, is something by that, that it stretches across quite a few clubs from about eight or nine and it's Puma's effort at team's third kit in Europe this this year um, <laughs> the pajama bottom types <laughs> yeah just bizarre we're seeing it with Man City this year in the Champions League and I think Dortmund have got one AC Milan have got one Marseille have got one uh, I think Fenerbahce have got one as well um, or is it Galatasaray? It's one of the two. Um, and it's just horrendous. It's it's typical. It's almost like an American football jersey because it says Man City on it or Dortmund on it or whatever. Um, and it got rightly panned when it when it all uh, was revealed, and no one could quite believe that it had, it was actually real because people were just like, "Why would you? Why would you ever design this? It doesn't have the club badge on it, which again is very." Uh, sort of American in 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 its sort of birth sort of thing, um, and yeah, they're all just horrendous. And te- I feel bad that the teams are forced to to buy um, to wear them because every time you wear them, you think it just looks like, it looks like a training kit at best. Um, and we've, we've seen it in the Champions League, mm. and we'll see it in the Champions League next year when uh, Man City go in the knockout stages and go away from home and they'll have to wear it again. Um, but it needs to be left firmly in the past, and clubs need to realise that, like, well, they need to listen to fans basically. Like, you've released one, and it's gone down like horrendously, so don't do it again in the future. Minimum requirement should be a badge, shouldn't it? Well, that, that's your club, isn't it? It's mm. your club badge. You, it's literally the one thing you've you've got to have on on the shirt. And instead, they just wrote the word Man City or Dortmund or whoever it was. And I think one of the the best things about it was. Um, I think it was the uh, in the Fenerbahce game in the Europa League when a guy scored a, a pretty much what was a last minute winner, and he he went to to he, he's mocking the shirt by he, he looked down at it and he tried to point at the badge, but then ended up, ended up just pointing all over his own body because he was looking for the badge and saying like, look, there's no badge for me to kiss, so you know this this is rubbish. 
that is a good take. It's a good suggestion. But I think as your first instinct was Man City and Joel's gone for Man City as well, I think I've got to give it to Man City, <laughs> this particular award for the populist choice. And we move on to our final award of the 2021 Football Social Daily Awards. It's the big one. It's the one everyone doesn't want to win. The VAR Award. One thing that you disallow from the last 12 months of football. Something that you'd like to just forget about. Marley, you can go first on this one. So is is this something that's happened? Yes. Or something that I just don't want to happen again? Well, that's the same thing. I think it? I know what Marley would choose. Do you? Because I don't, so give me a clue. <laughs> Marley would choose kids holding signs up saying, give me your shirt. Yes. Oh, yes. <laughs> yes, I would. hate that. <laughs> Every game. Every not, game. You don't hate it enough to remember before you end in the studio, no, but now you hate it. Because I was, for some reason, I was thinking like a rule change that I want to see come in to stop something happening. Um, but I suppose this counts. Kids stop taking signs to games, begging for shirts. And it's usually the dads who are after it. Exactly, yeah, because it's gone straight on eBay for 1500 oh, quid it. and the kid's getting a McDonald's and thinks it's the best weekend ever, <laughs> doesn't it? You know, so if you can pay, then again, if I had a kid, I could pay him off with a Big Mac and make 1500 quid. I would do that as well. Um, but I wouldn't do that because I'm not a ball bag um, all the time. Um, <laughs> shut up, Jim. Um, and then, yeah, yeah, it's just, it winds me up because the, the, the cameramen are all over it as well. Like, oh, look at this cute little kid. Oh, yeah. He's only nine. Why not, though? Why and shouldn't then, a kid be able to hold a sign asking for their favourite player's shirt? Should they just wait for... The player to divinely gift it to someone random in the crowd who yeah. might not even want it. Yeah, absolutely. Everybody in that crowd wants a shirt off a player. Of course they do. It's like, it'd be amazing. But nobody has the brazenness to ask for it, except if you've got a kid, because then you're like, oh yeah, the kid can get it. And then it'll hang in dad's study for for 10 years or whatever, or he'll sell it straight away. Um, and a specific thing actually off the back of this, which is just um, popped into my head, was when... Um, it was at Old Trafford, and there was was it was it Aubameyang going off, and a Man United fan asked for his shirt mm. as he went off. No, no, it was um, it was a Liverpool player. It was Firmino, yeah. was I it? Think. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah, even it worse. Yeah, it was. Yeah, and he, right. the way he like di- discreetly put it under his yeah. coat jacket he to just, make sure no one saw it. He shoved it in as if he'd nicked it, and this whole thing just needs to just stop. Um, I'll tell you why I like I like this. I mean, I I don't want to steal joy away from kids like you do. One, but two, <laughs> I like the parents and the kids who are playing the percentages. Like they know they're not going to get a star player's shirt, so they're there holding a sign like "Paul Dummett, give me your shirt" <laughs> or something yeah. like that. It's like they know they've got more chance of getting. <laughs> yeah, you need to go shirt. for the like obscure one. Yeah, exactly. That's that's my dad, yeah. <laughs> yeah, you're not going to get Ronaldo. Go for Paul Dummett instead. Right, Joe, what you got? Um, it's not like a particular moment. It's just a thing that I've realised. Is that you know goalkeepers? I think they're the, I think they're more protected than the black rhino in terms of how much. <laughs> in terms of you know, they just they're just a very endangered species, aren't they? That they need protecting all the time. And what I've realised now is that they can't be protected any longer because when we saw David de Gea against Arsenal, when he went down like a sack of potatoes, it wasn't hurt at all, and then they scored from it. I was kind of glad that they scored from that because I am I'm done with keepers being brushed by a hand mm. and suddenly they're on the floor like they're just taking a hit by Tyson. It just they need to start looking at keepers as just any other player where you can put your body in the way of the ball. You have a right to go for a corner as much as they do. 
Um, and it was the same as well with Schmeichel at the weekend where he had his hand on the ball. I don't know if you've seen it. Mm. And the player there, kicked yeah. it in. I, I don't think that's a foul. But apparently, apparently, did it get ruled out, that one? Yeah, yeah. It got ruled out. And for me, I think you're both well entitled to go 50-50 for that. But of course, because he's a keeper, the referee has way more sympathy than the striker going for it. So, of course, it's a foul. Um, yeah. so, referee made the right decision, though. On that occasion, it was according to the rules, but I know what you mean. It's, it's just soft. Ad, ad, they what always the give rules? the benefit. One, one hand on the ball. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The ball has to be between two objects, so that can be your hand in the ground, your hand in your chest, both of your hands. The ball has to be between two objects for so you one, to technically one of them has be, to be in control. But it looks from so, in slow yeah, motion. It was to be going a, slow. Your hand. Yeah. So does that mean it can't be your foot or your? Oh yeah, your, your body is counts. Anything. Does, does that mean now that you can do the thing where you know when a goalkeeper goes to take a drop kick and he? He pushes it out with one hand. You remember when strikers, strikers used to nick around and head the ball yeah, out of his hand, around the back yeah. of it and head it out. Yeah, like yeah, that gets disallowed now. Well, no, well, apparently not because the well, keepers. Are, yeah, yeah I agree. It's so. like when Henri did it that time when he nicked it off Brad Friedel. Yeah, like it should be allowed for me, but keepers are just in the, the good books all the time, <laughs> and I, I'm uh, sick of it. I don't yeah. know, can I change my quote of the year from Roy Keane to goalkeepers are more protected than the black rhino? <laughs> 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 it's, it's a good quote. I like the fact you went for the obscure black rhino instead of the obvious white rhino as well. <laughs> I like that little touch there. I, I must admit, it's a good point. And I, one of my favourite goals I ever saw West Ham score was when Andy Carroll just took out De Gea completely yeah, early in the days, corner. Yeah. He just smashed through him and it was a goal that stood and rightly so. And I like to see more goals like that. You lose points, however, for referencing something that happened this weekend, giving away the fact we're recording this at the beginning of December <laughs> rather than the end of December when people will actually hear it. So negative points for that, but a good point nonetheless. <laughs> Niall, what are you going for? Uh, carrying on with goalkeepers, I hate goalkeepers that wear short sleeves. Can't stand it. Emmy Martinez, Aaron Ramsdale, get in the bin. Get your long sleeves out. You're a goalkeeper. Why are you wearing short sleeves? Can't stand that. That's one thing I cannot stand in that, that, That's the thing you want to take away from the year? Um, no, I want to take away all of Southampton's points, but I can't have that <laughs> as an option um, either. Uh, Ralph Hasenhurtl crying about beating Liverpool was embarrassing. Absolutely pathetic. And, you know, even though I'm a Portsmouth fan and will twist a knife into them lot down the M27 as much as I possibly can, I think we can all agree that you know, it's a game of Premier League football um, and a manager has cried at beating another team in the league. Now, Liverpool are a very good team, but at that point in time, they'd lost their unbeaten home record of what was about three years long to Burnley and then it all unravelled and then they ended up needing an Allison goal against West Brom from a header to kind of help them on their way to squeeze into the top four and that's credit to Liverpool. But Ralph Hasenhurtl crying about beating Liverpool. We talk about the Premier League being the most competitive league in the world. Shouldn't be a surprise that the top teams can get beaten by the not-so-good teams. But yeah, he somehow managed to reduce himself to tears by winning a game. You know, it's, it's not like Roy of the Rovers stuff. It's not David versus Goliath. It's Southampton beating Liverpool. It's not, it's not, not worth crying over. Mm. So I'd take that away. I thought that was pathetic, to be honest with you. So... There's one thing I'd, I'd go and, and disallow, then probably would be that, but at the same time, it's quite funny and it's a good stick to beat him with, so maybe we should keep it, I don't know. <laughs> I'm torn on this one, to be honest with you. I think they're all valid, but as no one picked the European Super League as the thing to get rid of, I don't know really what... To, does anyone want to back anyone else's suggestion? Well, I did the Super League earlier, so I don't feel like I can go for that again. Does anyone want to like support anyone else's case, though? add their weight to it or is it purely on my shoulders to make this decision 
you're the boss, I think. Yeah, I think I think it's on you. <laughs> we we backed well, each other in the last one when I when I went for the Man City thing. Well, what would you go for? Thing? We haven't heard really much from you, obviously, being the neutral party here. What would so I take if you, out? If you were taking something out, Jim, what would you what would you go for? I'd take out darts. David Cole <laughs> darts. <laughs> So the one thing that's wound me up this year more than any other, which has resulted in me absolutely destroying my own fancy football season. I have a fancy football league. I do with my mates every single year. We've done it for probably 15 years. We've got a trophy and everything. We've got our names on it. And I always do okay. I always finish normally second, occasionally first, never really lower than that. I'm being demolished this year and I'm sixth in the league because I haven't got any Liverpool players. The reason I don't have any Liverpool players in my fancy football team is because I can't stand Jurgen Klopp. When he came to Liverpool, <laughs> I thought he was brilliant. I thought it was a breath of fresh air. I really liked him. I thought he was a character. I enjoyed this type of football he was playing. I liked the fact he tried to adopt the identity of the city. And then he just turned into this whinging monstrosity Fucks. where nothing is his fault. Fucks. There's yeah. a brain blame for everything. And he hates the weather. It's like the weather is his constant mither. You, you live you in the northwest of England, mate. The weather is... Yeah. I'm with you. I like Jurgen Klopp a lot. I think he's a brilliant manager. He's done great things for Liverpool. He's made the Premier League a better place. And actually, in interviews, like previewing games, you know, when they go to the training ground and sit down with him and they ask him about, you know, what what he had for breakfast and all that sort of thing. He's good in those sorts of interviews. But after Liverpool have lost a game, I'm with you. He's a bit insufferable at times. Sometimes it's your fault. Sometimes it's a player's fault. You don't always need to deflect that away to other people or blame officials or blame a schedule or blame the opposition or, like I say, blame the weather. So for me, Jurgen Klopp's whinging is the thing I take away from 2021. And I think everyone sort of agreed with me on that one. So Jurgen Klopp whinging can be our surprise You know it's Christmas time when he starts whinging about the congestion and then starts Salah and Mane in the game against a dead rubber game. (laughs) You tell me that one. Right, that is it for our summary of 2021. Joel, Niall, Marley, thank you very much for your suggestions and your winners as well. And thank you very much if you've been a loyal listener throughout 2021. Over a million of you have tuned into this show on a regular basis and we really appreciate it. We'll be back next season for more. See you then. Football Social Daily. Subscribe to the podcast now so you never miss an episode.